Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do it here in just a moment. By the way, on Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. I just looked at the Redemption Thursday picks. That was a winning week. How about the sorry-ass Vikings costing us a three-team teaser on the last play of the game? Yeah, I, that whole five-minute sequence, mm. I was the quiet member of my household. Just, oh, no. Oh, no. Can this you believe that happened? Happen. That happened. Yeah, we had uh, we had Cowboys even. We had Cardinals minus a point and a half. That was easy breezy cover there. And then you put in the uh, the the Vikings just had to win the game, just win the game. Of course they didn't. Yeah, yeah. That was um, if they haven't fired him yet, I wonder why. Maybe there's a buyout or something. But Mike Zimmer has been a puckerer for a long, long time, and that isn't uh, that's me observing things, not getting undue influence by somebody who might take it more emotionally. Uh, we've got several friends who have a lot more invested in the Vikings than oh, you or I certainly yeah, do. Yeah. And, and they would agree, but it's just objectively true. That was a case of an Adam Fuller 2020 situation in the end zone. They gave five yards cushion in the end zone on the final throw. It was strange. I couldn't believe it. Um, that That's a, that's a toughie. An inside breaking route that occurred after the goal line was allowed a free release from 15 yards away. Quick, quick news, the latest. Uh, it was a foregone conclusion, but uh, poor Manny Diaz, whose ass has been out in the breeze for weeks on end, uh, is finally told the news today that he can have a good day. Which, if you're him, again, uh, for those that don't know, this is the quintessential kiss my ass on Main Street. Uh, here you go. You make your money to not work if you'd like. If you'd like to take a year and gather yourself, you can do so with millions of dollars while you sit on the beach figuring it all out. It's a pretty good situation to be in. It is crazy how much news is going on. I mean, legitimate news, not uh, let's let's try and prop up a story. Not that we ever do that here on this fine program, but this is all, I mean, breaking stuff for this particular region of the country and recruiting. Uh, it's the, well, that, it's that's the empire what, yeah. building. It's the athletic director. All of it. I mean, it's all happening at once here. So let's do it. Let's check off the boxes. Let's go through all of it. Uh, Crystal Ball is a Miami native. Uh, he he has ties to Miami through and through. His wife is from there. His mom is there, and she's ill. This is perfect timing to leave Oregon, uh, partly because, again, the want and the need is now for Miami for Cristobal, but also because Southern Cal has announced their intentions of caring about football and sports in general again. So you were not going to get and clean up on the recruiting trail the way that you had. Uh, now anybody that you're fighting for with Southern Cal, you're probably going to lose the vast majority of those battles. The exodus should be now, and it is, and it makes sense. I don't really love Cristobal, the coach, as evidence to a Stanford loss, getting blown out twice by Utah. I mean, he, 
he frequently does things where you kind of raise an eyebrow. I'm like, I'm not sure you're a real good coach. But he can recruit, and he knows that area, and he'll go to war there, and that's the that's the goal. Yeah, so the question for me is, and, and Radakovich being hired appears to be right behind it if mm-hmm. it isn't already announced. I mean, you got to check Twitter every five minutes these days because something's you know somebody's in the portal or there's a signing or there's a firing or a hiring. But the question becomes to me, is this – Miami's new standard of spending every year, or is this a one-time, seemingly reckless amount of money being thrown at the problem, and they can't follow it up next year, the year after, and the year after that? Well, because if the answer is this is the new standard of how Miami spends, we've got a problem on our hands. Well, let me let me just say this: an indicator to me that it's probably more now that they're invested in and in see the error in their ways of the last two decades, and I'll tell you why: it's not it's definitely not Mario Cristobal. It's Radakovich. You don't leave Clemson, where money's not a problem, thanks to the IPTE fund and everything else, right? That You don't leave that job to go to Miami. Now, I get it. He's got Miami ties, got a graduate degree from there, all of that. He understands the city's fun. Got it, got it, got it. You still don't leave Clemson for Miami, unless what? When you entered into those conversations, they checked your boxes. You don't have to leave. Nobody's pushing you out at Clemson. You don't have to take the Miami job. You're doing that because you said, okay, I'm interested. Come talk to me. All right, let's talk. Here's what I need to know. Are you going to provide this? Do we have access to this? Can I be assured without, and I mean on the line which is dotted in the contract, that I get this, 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 and this, and that we're going to be able to do in the future this, 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 and this to help us compete to where we want to get to, where we're winning championships, those kinds of things. That, to me, is an indicator that we might have a problem on our hands because it's Dan Radakovich who's going to say no the second they tell or they present some sort of resistance to any of those things he knows that are necessary for them to be elite. So, to me, they must have said yes to those things or he would not have left. At least on the front end of it. The the one thing, if you're looking for outside-the-box reasons as to why it would happen – maybe partly to troll Miami, maybe partly out of hope. But it could be that there are skeletons in the closet at Clemson, and he knew that his time was short, and so he wanted to reset the clock. Or he wanted to move home. He, had, he does have friends and ties yeah, in that said, area uh, yeah, beyond yeah, yeah. the graduate degree. Yeah. So he wanted to be amongst friends for one final foray for five years, and he's retired. He's 63 years old. Well, so it could be that. Yeah, and I think that's true, too. And I would say to you that if I'm his age and I've, I've built what I built at Clemson, then I've achieved it. I've reached it. I've gone to the top of the mountain. There's nowhere else for us to go but down. I have ties. I want to return home. I've got a love for the area and the university. They've reached out. I've done all I can do at Clemson, so now maybe I'm interested to go back to Miami. And, oh, by the way, they said yes to this, 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 and this. They pay me gobs of money. All right, I'm going to go. So, yeah, that probably played out. Either way, that's probably not good news for Florida State. Let's bring it back to Florida State for a second because most people, and the reason we bring up the Miami thing is Manny Diaz was just fired today, so it's in the news now. Like Tom said, we're constantly having to hit refresh because there's so much going on with programs surrounding Florida State that will affect what Florida State's able to do or how easily it's able to do it and achieve it. So we get back to Florida State for now. All right, so... Vince Tyra is the name that emerges over the weekend. Ira and I talked about it last night on the Sunday Smash. It appears now even more so that that is going to probably be probably be the hire, it would seem to me. Now, that's speculative on my part, but it seems within reason now that given everybody under the sun is reporting this, 
And that's because there have been all kinds of leaks. This has been leaked up at Louisville. This has been leaked for two and a half weeks. The interview would have taken place some time ago. He would have been one of many candidates, Tom. I know that for a fact. And I'm also been told that that interview went exceptionally well. That's not surprising. Those close to him and that know him said to me that he is, quote, great with leadership, very corporate, Wicked smart, a great speaker. You're not going to have to worry about that anymore. At least when he gets in front of a mic, it's going to sound convincing, and it's going to sound thorough, and it's going to sound like he knows what the hell he's talking about. We don't know if he fits. We'll see. That's always the concern, if it's a fit or not. Uh, he is a ruthless businessman. This is uh, about making money, you know, fundraising, those kinds of things. He fits that bill. Um, he's never had to lead a football program. The word is that he wanted to make a change at coach. They got it wrong, obviously, at Louisville in his mind, and he wanted to make a change to bring back the prodigal son in Brom from Purdue. He and the president did not get along, did not see eye to eye. She said no. He said, oh, really? They kept fighting, and then he got interested in leaving, as one would when they're not able to make the hire they want to make if they see a problem. So on the one hand, he took over that Louisville program at a desperate and ugly time. I mean, it was just an unmitigated disaster, a mess of an athletic department when he took over. Got some things wrong, got some things right. Obviously, at the time that you go bring in Mac as your basketball coach, that seemed like a great hire. He was the hottest candidate in coaching at the time. We know in college basketball that doesn't always mean it's going to work out. But in terms of being able to lure somebody, get them to come get them the money, get them the things that they wanted, he was able to execute that. It hasn't done Gangbusters for Louisville since that hire, as Mac has put it several times over. He's certainly frequently manhandled by Florida State. But nonetheless, that's one indicator. Then there is obviously the football program, which Satterfield does not appear to be working out the way that they had hoped. Yeah, my question would be just on the ground, and and you hit on some of those things in the bullet points initially, but how integral was he in the fundraising for getting all of those facilities built up at Louisville? Because every time we go up there for a roadie, there's some new construction going on of some kind of project. Remember, they closed in the end zone on the one side, and that's where the players now come out of, and, and they have their own locker room set up and all that. So, you know, it, it's almost like to me with an athletic director, because it, it's a, there's a different level of responsibility than there is with a coach. It, it's much harder to assess what is going to be, you know, a good athletic director or not. But to me, it, it's it, it's almost like a head coaching hire in that if you can set the table and get us newer and shinier things over the next five years, which we desperately need, brick-and-mortar stuff. I mean, the very basics here in Tallahassee. A football-only facility. Let's get into a new baseball stadium, if it can be helped. Let's get the, the weight room even more renovated. Let's get everything you could possibly get in terms of the things. Can you be the guy to bring us the money to do that? I don't care if that's Vince, or if it's Alford, or if it's whoever off the street, can you get us the money to build the things? Because if you can do that, to me, that is going to be the mark of a successful athletic director for Florida State at this time. Now, five years from now, after those things are built, are we doing enough with those new things? Do you have to make a change? But let's get these things up and running first. Let's get some money in our in, in the university's pockets to be able to do those things and facilitate those relationships. We'll see. We'll see. You're not going to know about the athletic director. Correct. It's almost like a president in the economy, and it doesn't matter what party you're talking about. You're not going to know for a couple of years about what the true impact of the sitting person is yes. on the money being brought in. Yeah. Well, also, I would just note this. 
the the everybody's got an opinion about the AD. The truth is, even those that are very connected, unless you're in those meetings, unless you're behind the scenes to see who the power brokers are and what freedoms you have or do not have in order to pull the trigger on things you want to get done or things that you were for and the president or somebody else was against or things you were against that they were for, you can't really know what what is good. Well, you can't really know that this hire or that hire of an AD was going to be good or bad. It, you really can't. It's all speculative at that point without knowing. It's almost like not understanding or not being in the room uh, when a play call occurs or when, when, when install happens. Uh, you know, we think we know. Now, we can certainly, based on principles in football, it's a little bit different. You can certainly know if a guy zigged when he said zagged. We, we certainly know complementary routes and those kinds of things. But it is awfully hard to know certain individuals' responsibility if something doesn't go according to plan. Okay, so I, I think in the case of an AD, I see so many people with a, with very strong opinions about. Let's just say, for the sake of it, because I know him personally and I've known him for years and years and years. Let's just say Jeff Purinton, who a lot of people wanted. I've known Jeff. I used to do PA for the baseball program at Florida State when, when Jeff was the baseball SID. I go back 20-plus years with Jeff. We get along swimmingly, so I'm not – but for people to go on message boards and be like, well, he was at Alabama, he would be great. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. Nick Saban runs Alabama's athletic department through and through, and he's had guys fired. You don't really know whether or not he would be good because he happened to be at Alabama while they had a lot of success. That success is directly attributable to one person, Nick effing Saban. And that's why he gets paid what he gets paid. It's why he's probably worth more than he gets paid. But that's how that goes. That wasn't Jeff, you know, and, and I like Jeff. I get along with him fine. I'm just saying People seem to have real strong opinions that he would be a fit because of the successes at Alabama. You don't even know what he was tasked with. Yeah, that's like when you know you have people talk to you about corporate responsibilities and they go through all these terms and you feel like they're made-up words, but a lot of them revolve around efficiencies. Like, well, what does that actually mean? Like, if you look at the job description, it says, all right, maintain efficiency in the relationships with, you know, between this, this person and this person. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> Until you get into the corporate right, boardroom and right. see how that's conducted, there is a skill to those, those tasks, I don't know what the hell it means on paper, but when you're in the room and you see the deal getting done, you go, oh, my God. Now, that person, it's uh, season two of The Sopranos. Yeah. Junior yeah, 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 yeah. and Richie. He couldn't sell it. <laughs> I'm better off with Tony. I'm better off with my nephew. He right. couldn't sell it. We need the guy who could sell it. And hopefully this is that person. We'll see. I mean, now the question is, is this hire going to be somebody who comes in and makes a friend of Alford and we work together or runs off Alford you can't and, know. And, and, and the booster community is led by somebody different, you can't know. But there's going to be a shakeup of some kind if Alford is not the hire, and it seems strongly uh, to suggest that he will not be the hire this time. Yeah, and it may very well work out that he still leads the boosters and has success, although the thought is that he came here because he thought eventually he might be the athletic director, and so now we don't know. Are there hurt feelings? Are there frustrations? These are the the behind-the-scenes things that we'll have to pay close attention to. I do think there'll be a shake-up within the athletic department at the Moore Center. I do think that there's going to be a lot of changes. Well, and and, well, that's the thing. It's like, what changes are made, and that's how you could initially judge, all right, they're they're reading the room correctly or they're not reading the room correctly. That'll be the first thing I'm looking at on day-to-day ops. But we've been through it a lot uh, now that we've been in a business relationship for 12 years. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of people come and go yep. in the doors mm-hmm. at the highest level, at medium levels. And you're always wondering, what are your first acts when you join the team? And some, some people have, a, have like almost a playbook that they follow. And others want to interview everybody. Take in, yeah. Almost like you're re-interviewing viewing for your own job. 
and then they make calls as they see fit from there. Okay, this person is indispensable. This person's going to help me for six months until I get my person in here because I need to learn the lay of the land. All of that stuff is fascinating, and there's backstabbing, and there's drama, but that's what's coming in the athletic department office. Well, but I I will say this. it is They needed to hire a sitting athletic director, in my opinion. They needed to hire a sitting athletic director, somebody who has done it, who's had to wear the big boy pants, who's had to make tough decisions, had some success with it, financially and otherwise. They needed to hire a sitting athletic director. So I think that removed a lot of people from the the overall serious candidacy, right? I, I think that's true. Buttoned up somebody who's done it, somebody who's had success, somebody who can lead, and we'll see. Now, again, I would be overstepping my bounds to suggest I know uh, intimately the things that he's going to do or not do and the successes he's going to have or not going to have. I don't well, know and the other thing that's going on here, again, if you are really like into Florida State athletics, this is almost... For a lot of people, it's a non-starter. Like, I don't care who the athletic director is. I don't care about what this just, says just about so the president. Just so we have one. Right, right. And that they're all well, on the same page. As I was saying last week, it's the first time in forever. Yes. I mean, since I was an undergrad yes. that, that you've had one. Well, and basically, so you to, once Dave Hart was removed forcibly by TK, that was the end of having a real athletic director. And what does the power structure look like? Because just because you hire one doesn't mean that they have the final say. Well, it's, see see the argument that he's allegedly in the next athletic director at Florida State, Tyler, maybe is likely to be. That there it is in a nutshell. He wants out because he and the president don't see eye to eye. Right. And is this a university president who doesn't give a damn about athletics is going to empower somebody to take over, or is it going to be like because Eric Barron said he wasn't involved in athletics, but then he became pretty involved in athletics. Every president of any Power Five school needs to have some uh, level of serious care for athletics. It is a huge part of every one of those institutions. I know what you mean. I'm you saying, mean uh, on the day-to-day operations from zero of to TK. Correct. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. No, you know, you got to hire an athletic director that you can set it and forget it and let them do their jobs and then hope that they bring in an associate AD that you believe in as well and that what well, I hope you you're going to believe in. Everybody's going to sit down and talk about that pulling in the same direction. Knowles lost over the weekend against Syracuse. I want to talk to you about it. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Yeah, so Syracuse switched out of their traditional 2-3 zone and had a zone defense which also morphed into 2-3 and 1-3-1 and trapped Florida State as we passed to the corners and we got frustrated and it led to a whole bunch of missed shots. And this is frustrating for a couple of reasons because you blow a lead. Also because coming into the game, Syracuse was allowing opponents to score 82 points a game and shoot nearly 50% from the field against them and almost 40% from three. Man, damn it. But something we talked about last week, and I said I thought this would be a 
a frustrating first half of the season, and I think it's shaping up to be. And I don't mean it as in, um, what are they doing? I mean it as in, they're a different team that's having to figure out a lot of stuff simultaneous that they haven't had to figure out in the past. They're always mixing and matching. We know that. There's always this depth, but usually there is a very physical presence in the middle that doesn't exist this year on this team, uh, and they're going to they're gonna have to make shots. And when you go through stretches like they did in the second half where you get a lead up to 11, you feel good about it, it's 35, 24, 19 minutes to play or so in the half, and then the wheels fall off, well, you know, the thing about missed jumpers, just like made jumpers, is they lead to more of the same. It always feels that way, right? You see, uh, it's like the, the, the Red Sea parts and everything goes your way and you're able to just knock down shots from all over the place once guys hit a few. And when you start missing and missing, it bleeds over to everybody else feeling the pressure to take the lid off the basket. And, you know, I, I just... That's a long stretch of time to miss a bunch of shots, and that allows for a 31 to nine Syracuse run. I mean, 31 to nine, fellas. That'll hurt your feelings. Yeah, and it was excruciating. The building, you could just feel it. You're, it's not just about the contagiousness oh, of missing it's in the shots. Air, right? it, yes, yeah. There's no hope when the ball. You're like, come on, you're hoping. You're, you're hoping, and, and you don't believe it when the ball's in the air. And you could feel that vacuum effect. It's something we haven't felt very often in that building oh, over the last no. five years. No. You think the pressure of the record got to him, I wonder? I don't know. When you start blowing the lead in the second half and you start thinking about what's at stake and to have an ACC record like that. to, to... I think part of it is is they're all looking around. Mm-hmm. You, know, it, it, you could see it sometimes in the half-court offense where it's just who's going to be the one to take a stand and who's going to be the one to make the play. I thought when Cleveland made the putback against uh, Boston University – a couple weeks ago, and you saw the hug from Caleb Mills to Cleveland. That there was the growth moment, kind of like when Scotty Barnes finished at the rim uh, early in last season. Yeah, and you know he has he wasn't at that point the guy, but in that moment it, he kind of took over, and you thought, all right, he could be somebody who could make a play if you need it. I think they're still looking around. They're asking fundamental questions about who they are, and it's I mean it's not just the staff. I think they're trying to figure that out on the court as well. I think they would be helped out, dare I say it, uh, if they had Tanner and Gum. Um, now, I'm not saying he's a world beater and you're not going to run your offense through him, but he could make a difference. You don't, I mean, you're, you're in need of height there, and they're in essence deciding at this point. I was just looking at the, the minutes. Uh, they have really just decided that at this point, um, Harrison Prado is going to be that guy. And Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's a no disrespect. I'm but, just you know, saying, yeah, if yeah, you have to yeah. be the guy. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, this is a team that's fundamentally flawed. They're going to have to play around the fact that they don't have the size that we're accustomed to every year. And and it's not just because Ngom's out for six weeks. It's even if he was there, it's not the same thing. Not all seven footers are created equal. And this is the, a position that we haven't been in in five or six years. They can still play around it, but you've got to make your shots. When you're hitting 8% of your threes with a handful of minutes to go in the game, I mean, in some ways it's a miracle that it's within touch. So I've learned my lesson that with Florida State, how they look in a given week, a couple games, sometimes two, three weeks, is not necessarily how are they going to look by season's end or even the next month, whatever that might be, right? So you, you know, how they look in December does not always portend of how they look in January unless it's an established group that's returning, and this is not that. They have a couple guys, but again, beyond Malik Osborne, you know, I, I would like to say that you can believe in Caleb Mills, but that was a dreadful second half for him. So I think there is uncertainty as to roles. There is uncertainty as to responsibility. Uh, why do I say that? Well, explain to me how Cameron Fletcher is playing less than five minutes a game. 
I mean, he clearly must not know what they're doing defensively. That's the only answer I have. And he had the mask on, so I don't know. Maybe something happened. He got hurt. I mean, in between games. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. But uh, he, he does get lost. That was the thing. I, I mean, I said it even a first couple of glances at Fletcher, and he had a lot more minutes earlier in the season where he'll take over a sequence. I mean, it'll be four straight possessions, two on offense, two on defense, and you go, well, when that kid figures it out, it's going to be amazing. But then you see basic breakdowns and a lack of understanding or attention to detail when we're in the half court defensively, and that's the quickest way to get your ass parked on the bench by this coaching staff is you don't understand the rotations, the yeah, basic yeah, principles. That's problematic. I, I did ask Ira last night because, again, I, in the interest of transparency, I did not see this game from start to finish as it was played. I went back and had to watch the shortened version of it, did so again this morning. So I, I, I got a sense of the drought and all those other things that happened, but I Malik Osborne has not been himself this year. And when I asked Ira about that, now I know he had 10 points, but again, two of nine shooting. I said, uh, what's going on with him? What, what's the sense that you get? And he goes, the same sense I get with a lot of people right now, and that is certain guys trying to do more than they've ever had to do in the past. So trying to be something that they've not had to be, the game's not just coming to them because the other parts are getting done with those that are equipped to do so. So you had to worry about a lot of other guys on last year's team and the year before's team, so that when that kickout came in rhythm to him, that's just a pull-up-and-shoot sort of thing as opposed to a dribble-drive, which is now... Uh, everybody's dri- trying yeah, to dribble-drive. Right, right. And Drive you nuts. Again, they don't have... Uh, it's tough. It's tough. This is uh, going to be an interesting team. The last time Florida State got off to this kind of start, it, it didn't end well. It was 2014-2015 through eight games where they looked like this. And that year they began the season uh, at 4-4 four and four, uh, and then finished up 17-16, and 8-10 and 10 in the ACC. Yeah, you've got a dogfight on your hands, That's I think, a, here. We're, Now, the, this the ACC ding, is ding, not as... ding-ding. Oh, no. no, but the ding-ding kind of leaned its head out around the corner. It's <laughs> like, what's going on in Tallahassee? Hey, everybody, it's the ding-ding. What's happening down there? Uh, it's on the other side of the Capitol building. It's like looking over. <laughs> he's like one of the domes. Mm-hmm. He's, well, you can see the smoke coming from behind <laughs> yeah. him. He's just waiting. He's like, look. Yeah, it's, oh, it's oh, not white. It's not white papal smoke. It is black charcoaly smoke yeah. from the ding ding. <laughs> just sitting over there. And this is the most unclean looking puff of air. Well, he's been sleeping for years. He he had no home. He was frustrated. Yeah. He, he didn't yeah. reside here. But now all of a sudden, with that result, I think, oh, what do you got going on over here? He's excited. Ding, ding. Time to warm it up. I'm a little worried. A little worried. Uh, this ACC is much worse than that ACC was, so you got a chance. Okay. I'm getting a little nervous. I'll declare. Hey, nobody's mashing that red button just yet. The famed panic button has not been mashed. But uh, you know I'll hit it. I'll hit it when the time comes. I will hit that red button. I'm gonna. So we're getting... Yeah, it's a big month. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. on January the 8th, I know this because we will have access to the Vista once again. The blinding beauty that mm. we took in this weekend mm. at the Civic Center. Center Suites, folks, at the club level. If you haven't signed up there, you're doing it all wrong. That's where you need to go. Uh, but the next game we have in the Vista will be the 8th of January. That is an 8 p.m. tip against Louisville. That is a big game, and uh, I think that's where the son wants to prove to his father that he's ready to put his big boy pants on. And that would be Chris Mack's goal when he gets here to, into town. Well, it's good to know that you have two games here um, back-to-back. You get a little respite, get a little respite now, and then it's South Carolina on December the 12th, and then it's Lipscomb 
on December the. Let's mm-hmm. get us a couple non-conference victories. There you go. Let's segue that on over into another couple wins against UCF and North Florida. Uh, yeah. you know. Let's go one and one in that stretch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> UNF has been a problem. UCF typically is, and one of those is the uh, the classic down in Sunrise, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we always have an issue down there. Not another ACC game until December the 29th and gets Boston College on the road. There you go. You get that win in that gym. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, that's. I think they still have the wooden backboards there. It's dark peach baskets. We play on either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. I think it was NC State. January 1st. Okay, so on New Year's Day, what the hell is that? New Year's Day, four o'clock. Everybody's. Feeling feisty, feeling or a little tired, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I don't know which which one. Maybe I don't know about feisty. I recoup, think people, recoup. People are flipping on the TV. They're going, Ugh. all right. Well, they're gonna be watching football. Is what they're gonna be doing. I mean, let's just be honest. They'll be, oh, Florida State's on, but the Ding Ding will be watching very carefully. I'm watching, Jeff. I'm definitely watching. Who cares about the Rose Bowl? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's see if I can ding this bell. Let's go, Ding Ding. Let's go. Did you know I was in the Rose Parade in 1962? Come on, Wolfpack. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. (laughs) Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. We got got the soccer tonight, right? Yeah, 8 p.m. It was originally going to be last night, but uh, for BYU purposes, they moved it from Sunday to Monday. All right. Um, I'm sorry. We're at Florida State. We don't play Mondays, so we we should move it to a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm pumped. Uh, I'm ready ready to watch and uh, celebrate perhaps yet another national championship. That was a riveting game on Friday. Uh, the goal, so they should have scored in the first 15 minutes. Yes. Ended up, uh, I think it was a header off the bar, crossbar. But then the saves that were necessary in the final 15 minutes of that game to keep it at, at one nothing over Rutgers were, I mean, one of them, the sequence it was the first save and then an initial rebound save mm-hmm. followed by a rollover and cover. It looked like something that Vassie would do down in Tampa, but uh, they survived it. So to another national championship uh, effort for Florida State and Krikorian, who we've interviewed before and talked to over the years, has just done such an amazing, an amazing job to say that's an understatement, obviously. Um, but uh, you know, you get you get only so many opportunities. Now there are obviously a level of there are moments of consistency here that uh, one can only dream of, uh, as we every year note that Florida State is in the Final Four and certainly have an opportunity. But, man, when you get them, you want to cash it in so bad. So here we go. Yeah, this should look a little bit different than Friday's game as well because BYU is a high-powered offense. So unless they see something on film that would tell them they need to hold on for dear life and try to get to PKs, this this would not look like the Santa Clara game did a year ago for the title or the Rutgers game did on Friday. I think this does figure to be maybe a race to two or three if BYU doesn't see a fundamental reason to back off. But we'll see. So back to Florida State football for the moment, and I, again, I cannot tell you how. Listen, we we do understand that uh, change is afoot in a lot of ways, all around us, also within the athletic de- pro, pro, uh, department itself, with the athletic director. But I have been pleased that as we're kind of navigating this, and I joked about it last night, and I'm serious, but you know now Jaleel McCray's name is in. 
you can tell that in addition to the transfer portal efforts and the recruiting wow, efforts, wow, all of which are wow. very, very, very important, you can tell that the behind-the-scenes conversations taking place from Norvell and his staff with the, the players on the roster currently, that nothing short of brutal honesty is taking place in those rooms about a player's opportunities. Yeah. Well, I, they are efforting, in my, in my view, to get as many people to jump into that damn portal as possible, which is a beautiful thing. Well, and it's it's almost 145, and we haven't even touched on the fact that Randy Shannon was on the road recruiting force as accountable coach mm-hmm. yesterday, mm-hmm. which means that the linebacker's coach is not likely going to be here much Correct. longer. Correct, yeah. No, that's good because you get a huge upgrade in Randy Shannon in terms of recruiting. Yeah, that's what you get, and uh, that, that will help out an awful lot. Good. Good to have a guy with the ties to Miami that he does, obviously, at a time that Mario Cristobal is taking that job. It's just absurd to think about, too. I mean, I remember when I brought it, we, we were talking about transfers and, and recruits and how many spots you're going to give. And then the NCAA, it was kind of in the dead of night two mm-hmm. months ago when mm-hmm. they said that you can have a plus seven. Adding it, yeah. You can have seven more kids because they want to account for COVID-19 shifting and and the new rule itself. And so... How can they try to account for all that in one move and still have enough homes for kids that want to transfer out of their colleges plus all the high school incoming freshmen? How can they do it? All right, so we'll give you seven more spaces. Well, let's just say Florida State used all of those spaces. 32? 32 new players of your 85? You talk about roster flipping. Some school, maybe it's us, maybe it isn't, but some school out there is going to dramatically flip the picture of their roster Overnight, well, we're going to use those thirty-two properly. Yeah, and a lot of people have in the past. Like I mentioned this to you before, we saw what Mel Tucker did at Michigan State, and it's not as if a lot of coaches haven't availed themselves to this opportunity. But I think that they've expedited the process here. You cannot take a step back. So at five and seven, you got to move forward. You got to have a winning season. We know that. You got to continue to try to garner momentum there. You did enough in all likelihood to secure a top fifteen class, maybe even a top ten class. That's great, but you have to find. For all those voids that have to be filled on the defensive line, and Big Coop coming back was nice, but you still have a lot of guys to replace that were uber productive, including the best defensive player in the ACC this year. So, man, the more opportunities you have to replace dead weight on the roster with kids that have played big-time college football and are willing to come in now and capitalize on this chance because they've seen others do it and have success. That was the blueprint this year. They've got a chance now to really hit that portal and have success. In order for Florida State to get to that number, though, it's going to have to become a tired thing of kids announcing that they're in the transfer yeah, pool. Yeah. I mean, you have to say, oh, there's another three, there's yeah, another four. Yeah. Every I mean, time I see another name, I go, come on down. Right. Well, think about it the other way. Just do the math the other way. And this is where you get to feel about how much of a crunch there is and how thin you would be if you don't manage this properly. All right, so you have 85 spots. Mm-hmm. You can bring in 32. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? 53. Mm-hmm. That's the NFL's magic number. It was forever. It might be 54 now. But 53. You think about that number in a college roster, and you start to get a little nervous. You're like, man, that's you don't really have much of any room to do anything. So these next spots have to be really well thought out. And that goes back to the discussion last week of – yeah. If you've got a 50-50 kid who's a developmental prospect as a three-star, would you rather spend the spot on that kid Depends or another on transfer? on the segment group and how desperate you are and the depth of the desperation. I, I really believe that. I mean, there are spots where you got to have to plug-and-play guy right here, right now, no question about it, and other guys that you can project and say, okay, he's a depth guy with the potential to be a very good frontline player for us in two years. Fine. There are places for those guys as well as the ones that have to step and show and prove now. 
And the show improved guys have to be on that defensive line and that offensive line. Yes, also at wide receiver, although I think you're getting some help there. The defensive line is where these games are won and lost. Your ability to be in those games, it's all about trying to create a way to you know make teams one-dimensional in essence. Forest State did a pretty good job with that this year. They weren't world beaters, but they were good against the run. They gave themselves an opportunity to improve over time and put people in difficult leverage situations, third and long, you know, those kinds of moments where, where the sacks came. So trying to replace that right now is is of desperate importance, and you will not move forward if you do not have success in the transfer portal at that position. I'm talking about defensive end and defensive tackle. And you probably will continue to struggle in certainly the drop-back pass game if you don't find another couple of offensive linemen to come in here and play as well. They were not deep. We saw injury problems led directly to losses. If you didn't have your starting five out there last year, you just straight-up lost for the most part. Yeah, I think what we're setting up for here is another situation where you come into spring football after all this is done, which it feels that just feels calming to think about because there's so much overhaul between now and that point. But we get to spring football where we're going to need as media members, even though we cover this team every day, we need that roster when we walk into practice. You know, there are some years where the SIDs has you want a roster. No, I, know, I know who I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, I got it. No, yeah. not this year. No, this upcoming spring, and maybe that's the case. Maybe that's just the way it is. Thereafter, you're not going to get 32 every year. The NCAA is not going to let you do that forever. But maybe that's just the name of the game now. You know, if a kid believes he's two years away and he's already been on campus, he's been a he's a redshirt sophomore, rising redshirt sophomore, and he thinks it's going to be at least another year before I play. Maybe the standard is for that player to leave. It's just going to be very hard to build four year continuity on a roster for myriad reasons. NFL departures when yeah. you're at, oh, no, at no, your no, best, become, yeah, and then playing time. In the midst of all of this, we do have our final four. I haven't even mentioned it to start the show with all the change of foot that we've been talking about, but Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati, those on the outside looking in, Notre Dame and Ohio State. Turns out the Cincinnati win on the road against Notre Dame, which we all deemed to be very, very important before the season and at the time, turned out to be everything. That win is what allows Cincinnati to get in, along with two lost Big 12 champion, two lost Pac-12 champion, you know, you had a, a lot of, everything lot of things, conspired. Everything conspired and it worked, but because that it did, I understand it and I get it, and that's fine. They're in without controversy. In fact, the committee got lucky. Everything just rolled out there very smoothly for them. It was easy to put Bama one after they trounced Georgia. Which, oh by the way, if you're Georgia, yes, you get a second shot at it. Probably even pleased to be playing Cincinnati, which should be a favorable matchup for you. Like I mean, Michigan. excuse me. I mean, yeah. excuse me, Michigan, uh, which actually I think is a favorable it matchup. Is. For my, it that's is. That's what yes. I meant to say. Um, but. <sighs> We talked yeah. about it at the time. I'm like, man. Well, what the Vikings did to you, the dogs did to me. I threw them down on a money line as a part of a maybe a five-way. And I don't mm. know if you ever heard of this before. A five-way? I was getting after it. Have you ever heard of this? I was one leg away from hitting the, the parlay. Yeah. Yeah. Has, nobody's has that ever, ever happened? Nobody's ever said that. To anybody? But, yeah, that was uh, for me it was the dogs. And, and when they responded from the early deficit, I thought, okay, that's the start that Alabama needed. Georgia ends up tying the game. It was seventeen all. I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably it for Alabama in the scoring department. Nope. No, no, no. Oh no, hell no. Oh, they weren't the even close to done. Were just getting started, oh, buddy. Oh my god. And Bryce Young looked like the best player and most comfortable player on the field in all of the biggest moments. And everybody watching went, Are you effing kidding me? Just in the Again. nick of time. Again with this. It's Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. <laughs> Wow. 
you know, we were just referencing it a moment ago, short segment here, but that stretch of play where you were hoping, uh, probably against hope to some degree, that that would be it. Georgia would adjust and everything would be fine. But I don't think at any point we thought a team that gave up just north of 80 points total for the season would see any team line up and go on a 38-7 to run like Alabama did against Georgia. And it oftentimes looked easy. They've got some thinking to do uh, about Stetson Bennett because when the game was in the balance, he wasn't good. He was later, and the points were such that it didn't really matter, but it did bolster his statistics. If you watch the game, you know he wasn't great. Like, uh, just reading the numbers, if you go through the numbers, you'd say, oh, well, okay, it wasn't bad, 29 of 48, 340 yards. He wasn't good. And not while the game was in the balance. Yeah, having split attention because of uh, the basketball game and we were at the suite in the Civic Center and, and watching and the football was on the TVs mm. inside the suite. I didn't see too much of the first half play for play. I, I'd catch the you know big moments and maybe somebody would holler out into the pit as we're sitting and watching the game, hey, big third down here, and we come in. I, I just wonder about Georgia's motivation because they knew it was a free roll. Now, you can eliminate Alabama and thereby increase your chances It'd be nice. of winning – the whole thing. Well, and I but would think that there's. It's just, a weird place to be. It is, but I would think the chip on the shoulder and the opportunity to seize control of the SEC, something that all SEC members seem to take uh, an overabundance of pride in, would have been in play here. You can eliminate your bully. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not like Georgia wins the SEC every year. Right. right I mean, right. come on now. Uh, and they go out there. And, and also, uh, I think probably a, a pride factor, too, to, to have it handed to you. That had to have been stunning for those members of that defense that have been that kind of dominant. I mean, sideline to sideline, speed for speed, trench, you name it, they have been suffocating. Well, you know what gets interesting here? Because historically, the playoff in the semifinals has been bad. And if it's good, it's, you only get one out of two games. Because the other one is going to oh, be a Oh, you blowout. see semifinal teams, yeah, take an ass-kicking every time, yeah. But... This year, because Alabama has enough pieces of evidence out there that show that they can lay an egg... Cincinnati's, I mean, they're a live dog, I would think. You're at least going to tune in and say this isn't Alabama-Washington or, or Clemson-Ohio State you hope. from years ago. You hope. I, I... There is at least the possibility at kickoff that that could be an interesting football game. I, I do believe that Georgia-Michigan is going to be no matter what. That's going to be a really physical game. You know, it's fascinating. It's true that we tend to hang on to what we saw last. And I know that was written. Bill Connolly talked about that. And I, you know, I thought it while the game was playing out, we're going to look at Georgia through a very different lens, all the while forgetting that Alabama uh, nearly lost to LSU, Arkansas, and Auburn. They beat those three teams by a combined 15 points. Should have lost to Florida. So you go through the entirety of a season, and Alabama's resume suggests they're very, very gettable. They are flawed. They're fallible. All of that is true. And you go through the Georgia resume, and you go by score, by score, by score, and you say, my God, unwaveringly dominant. It's been a game-in, game-out occurrence. There hasn't been a hiccup moment uh, akin to the Arkansas-LSU or Auburn games like Alabama had, and then the game happened. And because Alabama's Alabama, and you know how they've recruited, and you know what they have at quarterback, and that is the biggest thing, is that the upside of Bryce Young, which, by the way, in that win over Arkansas, uh, was record-setting at a place where they've had some good players. Uh, you knew that was in there, and yet what you worried about more than anything else was Stetson Bennett. And 
I don't know that I worried about the defense, but we did say throughout the course of the year, is Georgia ever going to get into a game where they really have to have it offensively, where the game is so, at least modern football, is so offensive-oriented. At some point, despite the players, you're going to be in a game where you really have to score. And then it happened, and they couldn't. And you think the difference is because of Alabama's quarterback, by way of comparison to Georgia's quarterback. Yeah, flash forward to if it goes chalk. And, and I would call it Georgia win chalk, even though they're number three in the country mm-hmm. and, and Michigan's number two. But if it goes chalk in, in the semifinals and there's a rematch, I think the advantage for Georgia is obvious that Alabama had to air it out. What else can they do? You, know, you should be more than prepared with the athletes that they like have on think. defense. They should be more than prepared. But they've got to knock Georgia in between, <laughs> which they already have once, but they can't pull a Georgia again in the semifinal and allow Michigan to beat them. But Michigan's an interesting team. There's a part of me that thinks they're kind of like Ohio State the first year of the playoff, where nobody's really giving them too much of a shot, but all they do is they show up and they beat your ass. Well, they're one bad quarter away from being the number one seed here, of course, and they're one bad quarter away from having all of us convinced that this is the real deal. This is the other thing. There's always a danger in saying somebody will never do something. And, you know, if you recruit well enough and you put yourself in a position enough times, they haven't been doing that, but all of a sudden they did, and now here they are. So all of a sudden the the narrative and the conversation centered around Harbaugh changes just a little bit. Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cambridge at 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV.